You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out, and today we're talking about Avengers Endgame. It's impossible to talk about this movie without spoiling it. I mean, we do give you a spoiler warning, but it's like a minute and a half in. Like, don't listen to this if you haven't seen Endgame and don't want it to be spoiled. Also, today, uh, Pierre is not with us today, so I have a special guest, Alex Shaw from Heatwave Radio's Off the Cuff, is here with me today. And uh, it's going to be a really special, special episode. We talk about Endgame for almost an hour. This might be our longest episode yet, actually. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you got that to look forward to. Uh, We go into a lot of details. So, there you go. We love you, 3000. (sighs) And here is a trailer for Endgame. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. Sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do. But not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. takes. like this one. <laughs> You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, uh, today's going to be the first episode without Pierre. I've got a guest here instead. Uh, this is Alex Shaw. How's it uh, going? I'm guest. So, yeah, the, say, say a little bit about yourself, Alex. Or don't. You know, up to you. No. Okay, so... <laughs> That's Alex. Uh, I, uh, he's an international do, man of mystery. Yeah, yeah. I used to do a radio show with Jeff back way back in the day. So yeah, uh, all of you, uh, all you folks listening, OG Heatwave listeners might remember Off the Cuff. This is almost an Off the Cuff reunion episode yeah. in that it is that in that it's the two of us again in yeah. the recording booth talking about movies. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what movie are we talking about today, Alex? Today we're going to talk about Endgame. So. Uh, 
yeah, so Avengers Endgame. Um, we didn't ever talk about Infinity War in any in any respect. Oh, wow. yeah, so, we really didn't. Yeah, we, we sort of skipped. There was like a year and a half or maybe two years where we didn't have a show on Heatwave Radio. Yeah. Definitely a year and a half. So, uh, yeah, so we never talked about Infinity War. We're not going to today because there's a lot to say about Endgame. It, um, yeah, Infinity War was awesome. It, that's all I really It was very good. Yeah, if you haven't seen Infinity War, first recommendation of the day, <laughs> go watch Infinity War. Even if you're not a fan of the Marvel Universe, Infinity War is just a good movie. Mm. Anyway, um... There is no way to talk about Endgame without getting into spoilers. So if for whatever reason you've made it all the way into this podcast, you know, all the way into this point, which is, what, a minute and a half in? If you've made it that far and you haven't seen Endgame, if you want to see Endgame and not have it spoiled, then, you know, I know that's a big deal for a lot of people, myself included. So, you know, maybe hop out now. But the first thing we're going to do is just tell you, like, whether or not we would recommend it. Alex, would you recommend Endgame? If you're not completely addicted to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would say that this movie's definitely going to confuse you. Yeah, I would. I would say it's a bit, it's a bit much if you're yeah. not caught up in a way. Right. But if you are, if you love the Marvel movies like as much as Jeff and I do, then absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I would recommend this regardless. I think it's just a good movie, but definitely you're going to get more out of it if you actually care about the universe yeah i feel like if you haven't at least seen infinity war yeah then i think this movie's gonna completely go over your head because like when i walked out and i was like would my parents like this movie and i thought probably not they would be asking so many questions yeah there's there's this movie calls back to uh a lot of movies that i would not have expected it to yeah so including some of the bad marvel movies yeah so i i do want to get into that and like Let's just stop beating about beating around the bush. This is spoiler territory now. Okay. This is your spoiler warning. So this is the last warning to get out if you want to avoid spoilers. Three, two, one. Here we go. All right. So, Alex, I'm going to have you summarize very briefly the plot of the sequel to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Endgame. Okay. Well, anyone who's listening right now is already aware of the spoilers, so I'll just give you the lowdown. Um... It's about the Avengers having to get all their friends back. Uh, they made friends along the way, and and now we gotta we gotta find them again. So in Infinity War, <laughs> uh, everyone dies, or half the, half of everybody half dies. of everybody dies. Thank you, Mark Ruffalo, for letting us know that half of everybody dies. And in uh, in Endgame, the goal is to get them back. Yes. And the way they want to do that is by going back in time and getting the Infinity Stones, and then snapping everybody back into existence instead of snapping everybody out of existence. Is the plot convoluted as hell? Yes. Is it fun as hell? Definitely. Is the plot convoluted? I don't think so. Like, there's a lot of minutiae that are convoluted, but really this is, let's save our friends, and the way that we're going to do that is by going and getting six things from the past. It's a very, it's a pretty focused time travel movie as far as plot, as far as like very sure. broad plot skeleton Overall, goes. Overall, it's pretty straightforward. There's a lot of uh, minutiae in there though. Yes. So the, the, the main, caveats. the main plot, you know, th- this movie splits up into, th- this can be split into three acts basically. Yeah. There's the first act which is everybody's depressed. Well, I've actually heard it explained as this movie split into three different movies. Well, here's the thing. I would say, right. so yeah. I was about to say that I'm and then sorry. I caught myself. I got ahead of you. I'm so sorry. I would say in a way this movie is like 
I would even go four acts. There's the very opening, which is yeah. basically an epilogue to Infinity War. Right. What happens is they go to Thanos' new planet and they kill him. That's it. Right. That's what happens. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't know that, too bad. <laughs> then there's, like, act one of the movie, which is five years later. Everyone's depressed. There is no hope. Right. Then there's act two, which is time travel shenanigans. And then there's act three, which is, you know, the big climactic battle at the end. Yeah. Now, uh, act two, the time travel shenanigans, is, like, three different movies. <laughs> like, I would say that I would say that more than splitting the whole thing into three different movies, I would split just, like— Act two, which admittedly is probably an hour and a half of the three and a half hour or of the three hour movie, into three different movies because that is, it actually takes place during three in different three movies. Three different movies. Yeah. So what they do is they go back in time Wait, hold to on, is it three or four Avengers. It is uh, Dark World and Guardians of the Galaxy. And then and Infinity War, kind of ish. Yeah, sort of. So like they they go back. So what they do is they isolate like. Three points in time, yeah. where where the Infinity War stones are at three different points in time, right? And then they go back to New York in 2012, which is the first Avengers movie, right? Thor: The Dark World in 2013, or Asgard in 2013, which is right. Thor: The Dark World, right? Which um, is an Funny how interesting choice. In the entire universe, uses the same Earth years. Yeah, <laughs> I well, noticed that. I, I I kind of. It's like at one point Thanos says, mm, "That's you nine years from now." But like, there's no concept of years in space. Yeah, well, I mean, the concept of years would be different, right? Or it should yeah. be. It should be. Yes. But for simplicity, everyone yes, for in simplicity, so. everyone in the universe is on the Gregorian the aliens calendar. Aliens who don't live on Earth know what a year is. Yeah, and more specifically, know the Gregorian yes, year. Yes. There you go. So, um, yeah, and then they go to. The very beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy one. Um, I guess there's also oxygen on every single planet. Yeah, which is really lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in Captain Marvel, like yeah. the first uh, the first every planet they go to, planet in the MCU is habitable. <laughs> which is but convenient. Yeah, it's, it's, con- it's just it's it's not something really to pay attention to. So I mean. I guess we can go way further into the plot, but that's really all you need to know about the plot for us to start talking about it. I think. Right. So like. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Alex? So, overall, I think this movie is a great love letter to all of the MCU and the last 11 years of movies, and it's a really nice bow that's all tied up. I just had problems with the time travel aspect. It It's a good, like like I said, it's just, it's a great culmination of everything, but... There were, I didn't want them to do a time travel movie, and even if they did do a time travel movie, I had an idea of how you could do it, and they didn't even do it that way. So, so yeah, go ahead. Um, I actually didn't mind the time travel, because, yeah. like, I also didn't want a time travel movie, and then when they did it, they just went, they, they just... I thought they did it really well. Like, it worked as a story device to get them into fun places, and yeah. they didn't... They... It wasn't so... The time travel wasn't so inconsistent that it distracted from anything else. Right. The time travel rules didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. But at the same time, like, they didn't focus on... Anytime someone asked about the rules, Bruce Banner was just like, oh, it doesn't work like in the other movies. (laughs) And that's it. That's all he said. And so it's like, basically, that's the movie telling us, don't worry about the time travel, just enjoy the shenanigans. Yeah. And... It's the MCU it, doing a clip episode. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't the time travel wasn't distracting enough where I couldn't 
just enjoy the shenanigans. Right. Like this is a this is a very comic book movie. As far as um, as far as Marvel movies go, like a lot of them hit the right tone for a comic book movie. This one was like. This one was as insane as some comic books get <laughs> and, like, did it pretty well. Right. Um, so I didn't mind the time travel as much. Well, like like I said, I think I mentioned this before, but the problem with using PIM particles for time travel is that they're incredibly reproducible, whereas I was hoping that if they were going to do time travel, they would just use the time stone, and then they'd say, well, these stones are too powerful, and then destroy it. So then time travel could never be done in the MCU ever again. Um, but what does happen... Actually, I haven't... I read an interesting thing about time travel in the MCU that I'll get to shortly. Okay. But uh, what I... Th- on the On the topic of a time stone, I really liked in this movie... I think, I think that might have been a bad... Be- I think I... I don't know that I would have liked that better because I don't know what that movie would have been like. But right. as an idea, sure, I like that idea better. But what I also, what I really liked about this movie right in the very beginning is the very first thing that happens is Thanos says that he destroyed all the stones. Mm-hmm. So basically what he does, did, cannot be undone, which is why the first part of the movie is so hopeless. And then they undo what he did. But like, you know, yeah. it, it basically, the first part of the movie, if you just watched the first maybe 20 minutes of this movie after watching Infinity War, you would have a very, very, very good movie. Right. I mean, Infinity War is already a good movie. The first 20 minutes of this are a perfect epilogue to Infinity War. Right. And then, yeah, they, he destroys the stones. What was I saying about well, time travel? I mean, like, the reason why I have a problem with it is because now all it takes is pin particles, which... Uh, Hank Pym can reproduce at any time, and Bruce Banner, who is alive and almost indestructible. So, so we are dealing with a universe where time travel exists. It's easy at this point, yeah. I would even argue. Now, what I uh, read somewhere, and I guess I won't dwell on it too much because I don't know the character enough to say very much, but uh, I read a fan, uh, like a like a fan theory kind of about. That the ne- that this movie subtly sets up a uh, a villain called I think Krang the Conqueror. Yes. <laughs> who is a um, it, it sets him up by introducing time travel. Right. Krang's whole thing is that he is like a master of time travel to the degree that he can act. He's basically weaponized time. Right. Um, like he just passes back and forth through time as convenient and can do shenanigans right. in such a way that it ruins with that it uh, you know ruins the Avengers days. Um, this villain is also set up in Lego Marvel superheroes too. Oh, perfect! So but it basically, all connects together, and uh, it's like poetry; it rhymes. <laughs> and uh, Krang is another Thanos level villain. And yeah. there are not very many Thanos-level villains in right. in the Marvel universe at all. So what I kind of hope is that one that's correct, and that like the next big phase, which I guess will be ten years of Marvel, sets up to Krang, and then after that, they basically basically in order to defeat Krang, they're like we have to destroy time travel and get rid of it. Yeah, but that's also ten. ten That's also ten years. Well, that's the thing is, I don't think, I think that most of the movies are gonna ignore the fact that time travel exists. They maybe shouldn't because it's there now. Well, I guess you could say like, well, the only person who knew the secret to time travel was Tony Stark, and he took that secret to his grave. But like, that doesn't make sense because he clearly collaborated with the other smart. Well, Bruce Banner knows knows how to do it. 
Well, no, because Bruce Banner was screwing it up until Tony showed no, up. No, but Bruce Banner does know how to do it by the end because at the very end he sends Captain America back in time oh, you're right. properly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So and with an even smaller machine, so it's even easier by the end of the movie. Exactly. So like, I hope I I want to see how they deal with the fact that there is now time travel in the universe. Yeah. I think that probably how it's going to get dealt with is it's just going to, they're just going to ignore it. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. If they ever do set up Krang the Conqueror, maybe in the first, maybe in the first next Avengers movie, the the first thing they'll do is, oh, Krang's too strong. We got to destroy time travel. And then they'll destroy time travel for themselves. But oops, Krang wasn't even using that. Yeah. So now they've ruined their, now they've ruined their lives for the next, I guess at that point, it'd be another seven years. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's time travel in this movie, and it's not a hugely positive impact, but right. as far as this movie goes, yeah, it works, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, the second time I saw it, I was like, okay, I know what to expect. I came to terms with it, and I just went along for the ride, and you enjoy it a lot better when... If you just ignore, like, the minutiae of it and yeah. how it works and what it means, then it works well in this yeah. movie. Yeah. The only problem is that with this cinematic universe it's hard to ignore what anything in this movie means going forward because the movies going forward will have to deal with what happens in this movie yeah actually you know like something i've been seeing on online and that's actually really interesting is think about how think about peter parker's high school okay? yeah you take a high school 50 percent of the people at that high school disappeared for five years well, then the kids are still alive. They got to do five years of school. They got to keep going with their yep. lives. And then the people come back. So now, starting in, in starting from Infinity War, now half of the students are five years older than they were, and the other half are exactly the same age. So I guess in theory they hint that Ned, Peter Parker's friend, I think his name Ned, right? Yeah, so Peter Parker's friend, in, in theory, at the end of the movie, he doesn't look like his age today, so well, he must have got snapped too. According to uh, Kevin Feige... Uh, Thanos' snap wiped out 50% of all life and 100% of Peter's friends. So, yes. as far as characters in the Spider-Man movies are concerned, <laughs> they're just going to continue. Right, but then now you literally half of everyone on Earth is either five years older than everyone else or haven't aged a day in five years. Yeah, so... Um, that makes me pretty excited for Spider-Man Far From Home right, which, because that is going to de have to deal with that. Right. Uh, straight up, Jake Gyllenhaal in real life is much older than Tom Holland, but like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is a young is a Mysterio who's you know a young adult who was only just out of high school when uh, the last Spider-Man movie happened. Who knows. Except I don't know. He's like in his forties, isn't he? I don't know. Like, well, I mean, in real life, but Jake Gyllenhaal can pull off, you know, young, young, young twenty-five. I think he could do twenty-five. I think he could. Okay. Well, fair enough. Who knows? We'll be back to talk about Far From Home at some point. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the characters in this movie. Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about Endgame. Can we and please let's... talk about Fat Thor. <laughs> I liked Fat Thor a lot. The Fat Thor is so good. I think that Thor, in general, is he. You can almost divide Thor in the Marvel Universe into pre- and post-Ragnarok. <laughs> yes. Because, no, you can do that. Yeah, because exactly what you can do. pre-Ragnarok, he's kind of boring. He's fun around people, but, like, he's his movies aren't that interesting, and he's kind of the worst character. He's one of the worst characters in the universe, except maybe Hawkeye. Well, um, he's fun because he's so powerful. Yeah. He's the strongest Avenger, but... 
but yeah, he, he's, he's also like a character. He's not that interesting, and he's only even interesting when he's around char- other characters, right. which means his only really good movie before Ragnarok was the first Avengers movie because in Age of Ultron, the first thing they do is send him out into space and then put him into the deleted scenes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and then starting in Ragnarok, he's a completely different character because I guess, and I heard this somewhere, so this is not my original thought, but like at the same time, it's true. Somewhere along the way, they realized that Chris Hemsworth is actually really funny. So they just started making comedy movies with Chris Hemsworth, and it's much better. Right. But more than that, whoever whoever the writers of Infinity War and Endgame were, and I guess in, and I guess also uh, the Russo brothers seem to really get Thor, and they made him this very tragic character for Infinity War and Endgame, and it's probably my favorite, especially Endgame, especially Endgame. Well, I would say. I would say more in Infinity War. Like, his, his arc is much more tragic and in Infinity War. And in Endgame, it's like... He's wallowing. Yeah. In in, the thing is, in Infinity War, he's on his last legs. Like, right. there's still a wee bit of hope there. Right. But he's, like, desperately trying to cling to what he has. In Endgame, he's given up. Right. And those two together make my favorite character arc in the MCU in general. Because, I mean... It's really sad, but like it's it's <laughs> Thor is depressed, and it's a really good. Well, one, it follows from his entire arc up to that point, and also it's just a really good depiction of depression too. And I thought that Fat Thor was a good end to that mm. because Fat Thor is vi- visually this is showing like the this is showing the effects of his depression on him, right? Yeah, and then you know, in addition to just how mentally gone he is the entire movie. Yeah, what were you going to say on, on, on Thor? Oh, no, I just I just love that the moment it creates, because I saw the movie twice, and mm. in both showings, you know, you see that Thor obviously is not... In, at the beginning of the movie, before he, he shows up again, you can tell that he doesn't... It doesn't sit well with him, his failures, and that everybody's gone. Yeah. So... When you finally do see him again and, you know, the Hulk and Rocket are looking for him, you kind of wonder, he well, the, what's in her name? Valkyrie is saying that he only comes down to drink more beer. So you're like, oh, we know he's not in a good way. Yeah. And then he turns around and he's just incredibly fat. And then the audience is just... Oh no! Like you yeah. just realize that it. But has that's the thing too. Radically changed. I've heard. Um, I've heard some negative opinions on Fat Thor, but like to me, it would be negative if Thor turns around and the scene is framed in such a way that the entire audience breaks out laughing. But right, no, it's not. Thor turns around and the entire audience goes, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. Because that's how this thing. The, the Fat Thor isn't really played for laughs as yeah. much as it could be, which is great. Right. Um, but also, the, I mean, like it kind of is. It is kind it, of funny. He's the butt of the joke a lot of the times, yeah. but also more That's not so. The th- point. No, more so yeah. than that. It's the character. It's the character that creates. Right. But you know what I really liked, and I noticed this. I, I noticed this a little bit thinking about Endgame the first time I saw it, and then I noticed it more when I looked for it the second time. In the very first Avengers movie, Bruce Banner is hiding in India. Mm-hmm. Black Widow goes to find him and like she meets this depressed Bruce Banner who like all he wants is to stay away from like he just wants to meditate and stay away from anything that could make him angry because he doesn't want to be the Hulk. So she has to go and like deal she has to go and like bring in this depressed Bruce Banner into her 
Their team. Their team. <laughs> Here is Bruce Banner, who's now dealt with all of his demons, basically, going to do exactly the same thing for Thor. Huh. So I it's not it's that. not fully, it's not like an explicit callback to the first Avengers movie, but it is a little bit. It, that scene itself almost, no, that scene itself kind of kind of completes Bruce Banner's full character arc, or at least like one of the threads in his character arc. Yeah. And that's what I like about this. That's one of the things I like about this movie is so many plot threads are wrapped up. You know, we also get like another callback to that same scene I was talking about where Natasha goes to Japan to uh, bring in Hawkeye. Ronan. Ronan, Clint Barton. Yes. Big 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 daddy arrows. That's a great scene. I love that yeah. scene in Japan. I kind of wish, well, I don't know if I care that much. Hawkeye's time as Ronin is just sort of it's just one scene. Yeah. And like well, it, they, they that talk about it yeah. in a different scene. That's yeah. an effective scene. Yeah. I think it would be nice to know a little bit more about that, but I don't know that it necessarily needs to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of I I just hope that in the Hawkeye series they maybe go into like a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. That could be good flashback material or something. Yeah. But yeah, this movie has a lot of callbacks, like beyond Fat Thor too. My uh probably my favorite and I don't know if it's my favorite, it's just the one I noticed the most in Avenger in the Avengers scenes where they're doing the first yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Captain America gets into an elevator with all the Hydra agents yeah. <laughs> and it's the it's the main it's the like best known scene from Winter Soldier. The difference is that it doesn't end in a fight. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm like I saw that, and I'm like, oh no, they're just gonna do the fight scene again. Yeah. They're just gonna do the fight scene again, and then they didn't. Does anybody want to get out? And I thought that was, I thought that was, I actually ended up really liking that the second time around because I thought it was clever how they avoided it, and it didn't go on for too long. So, what else? What else, Alex? What else we got? Uh, well, kind of like right after that scene, I love the scene where Captain America fights Captain America. Oh yeah. When, like, the 2012 Captain America goes, I can do this all day. He's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I just love that, like, you can visually show how, like, he's changed as a character just by having him face his old self. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, his old self was, like, really uptight, but he's kind of learned to, like, loosen up a bit. His old self was really uptight, but also kind of, yeah, one, he's loosened up a bit. But, like, between the two of them, it almost kind of seems... This isn't explicitly shown in that scene, but the old his old self was like very hopeful, you know, believed a lot in the government too. Right. And they spent two years or two movies like completely breaking that down in Captain America. Right. And even in those two lines, even though there's they never actually say anything about that, that kind of comes across too, because he's like, I can do this all day, and he's there fighting for the government, and Captain America is there trying to steal things. Yeah. <laughs> I guess both of them are Captain America, but yeah. like that kind of comes across a little bit too. So like this time the time travel allows them to do a lot of cool things with yeah. characters. Yeah. So what did you think of Professor Hulk? I didn't. I, I thought that Professor Hulk. I mean, I didn't get a lot out of Professor Hulk. Yeah. But uh, I thought that Professor Hulk was a nice end to Bruce Banner's storyline that he's been going on for you know since the first Avengers movie. Right. Because Professor Hulk is very chill. He's the best of both worlds, as he says, and like he's he's nothing like the Hulk. Even he's nothing like the Hulk from almost any of the other movies. Mm-hmm. So like. I thought it sort of wrapped that up nicely because it shows it shows him honestly. So when I talked to uh, one of my other friends about this movie afterwards, I said, "Professor, 
I said this in my lab, Bruce Banner is objectified in this movie because he is essentially... He essentially only exists in this movie to boost Thor's story, which is an exaggeration. But also, I feel like Professor Hulk mostly compliments Thor's storyline because he's this is Bruce Banner after he's go, gone through the worst time in his life, which is very different from the worst time in Thor's life, but also, in a way, he's the one that can kind of relate to Thor. Right. And who is able to show, even though he's not interacting that much with Thor, except for a few key scenes, he's the one that can kind of be an example that Thor needs to eventually get to. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of thought that Professor Hulk mostly compliments Thor's story, if anything. I thought that the big, the big stories in this, like the three main characters to me were Iron Man, uh, Hulk, Iron Man, uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and. Thor, where Iron Man, I would... Were literally the three people that faced Thanos at the end. Exactly. But also, like, Nebula would be number four if I had to put any of them. And I would say that Nebula... The only reason I don't put her at top, up at the top, is because a lot of her story intertwines really nicely with Iron Man's. Right. But I really liked Nebula in this. I have not... I mean, I wouldn't say I disliked Nebula in any of the other movies, but I've never really cared that much about Nebula. And this movie, I thought she was, like, one of the standout characters. For one, a lot of this movie revolves around Nebula. Right. Because she goes back in time, and when she goes back in time, because of the way her brain is set up, because she's a robot, the old Nebula notices, in a way. There's Wi-Fi interference. There's interference with the old (laughs) Nebula, and that's what eventually brings 2014 Thanos into 2023. Yes. This also shows... Kind of how this is another another way that they like get to show how much Nebula's grown in the couple of movies she's been in too, because at the very end, because twenty fourteen Nebula is very very much a villain. She's I feel like I don't know that it's been done very well in any of the movies. I really liked her in in Guardians two. So it's kind of a standout in Guardians. I'm I'm not going to say Nebula hasn't been done very well in either in any of these in any of the movies. But what I do want to say about Nebula is, I feel like Nebula's plot line is basically like exploring an abusive relationship. They don't do that great in any of those. Like they they explore Nebula fine, but they don't explore that aspect very well. It's more about her and Gamora. Yeah. Where in this one, they kind of try to, and it doesn't quite land, but the few moments it does, it really lands. Right. Like, at the very end, Nebula has, like, one moment, in 2014, Nebula has, like, one moment of weakness where she's, like, uh, where basically they convince her that she should betray Thanos, and she thinks it over for, like, one second, and basically says, no, I can't do that, and then they kill her. Right. This movie, more than any, tries to explore that abusive relationship, but doesn't quite get there. Well, I think there's there's one scene that's kind of interesting where I think it's like uh, our our Nebula is talking to the rest of the Avengers, and she's talking about like, I remember back in the day I would used to do anything to please Thanos, even though he turned me into this monster. She's talking about literally describing an abusive relationship, and then like a scene or two later, it's 2014 Nebula like bowing before Thanos, saying, "I will do anything I yeah. make you proud," and like you, you know you literally see exactly what she's oh, yeah, talking they're, about. They're, like, they oh, set that up yeah. very well, yeah. and I feel like 
the payoff is the, the payoff of that one scene where 2014 Nebula gets shot by 2023 Nebula. Yeah, that's a good payoff for that, but it's almost not enough. Right. Like they, I feel like if I were to do this movie differently, I would devote even more time to Nebula. Right. And I don't know that there's a way to do that in the movie that we got. If there was, that would be my change for this movie is like more Nebula, please. Right. Also, like, I just liked her so much. I I submitted my review to the Phoenix (laughs) News recently, and, like, I put her down as one of the standout characters. Like, obviously for me, Thor is the best character in this. Nebula and the other two, you know, Captain America and Iron Man, really stand out in this. So, real quick side tangent. You pointed out that this movie ends in the year 2023. Yes. Does that mean from here on out, all movies take place five years in the future? So, what's interesting is... Now, in this case, four years. So, what's interesting is Far From Home definitely does. Yeah. The next movies that are announced are all prequels. Okay. Now... Admittedly, there aren't movies announced all the way until 2023, but, like, the next movies that are coming out are Black Widow, which is a prequel, The Immortals, which is a prequel from, like, that takes place, like, 2,000 years in the past, and then there's one other one that I forget, but it's also a prequel. Do you think Kevin Feige was like, guys, we need four years of prequels so that the time, the actual calendar catches up with the MCU timeline? So my actual hope for this is that they don't do, or they're very sparing with, like, sequels until 2023 yeah because well for one thing the marvel movies typically typically depict the year they come out in yeah it's going to be very strange if a marvel movie doesn't do that like far from home is already going to be kind of strange but we know it is everybody in far from home going to be walking around with phone cell phones that fold and no because uh all the people that would have developed cell phones that fold got snapped oh uh but anyway What was I going to say? But also that four years could be used to make some really, really good movies. Like spend a lot of time plotting out Black Panther 2, please. (laughs) Black Panther 1 was good. Make Black Panther 2 better. Yeah. Make Captain Marvel 2 good. (laughs) Yes. Um, Make Doctor Strange 2 great again. I mean, I like Doctor Strange one, yeah. so yeah, let's let's just do it again. Yeah, Doctor Strange is good. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. It's, I mean. For me, Doctor Strange, the bigger, the, the reason I like Doctor Strange the be- of Doctor Strange is one of my favorite movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would not say it's one of the best, right. but like it is, it's so visually weird and interesting that like I just love watching that movie. Right, it's got intense scenes that are just like all visuals and like that's what I like about it I love um, I mean at least my favorite thing about Doctor Strange is just the the confrontation with Dormammu like the the, the confrontation with the ultimate villain in the movie isn't a fight at all in fact no. it's a guaranteed loss yeah so he finds another way around it and that's just really really interesting you almost never see that mm-hmm. and actually I, I, I want more of those I yeah. want more Marvel movies I have heard people say and I don't know that I agree but it would be interesting to f- live in this universe I've heard people say that Endgame would have been better if Thanos was just out of it after the after he dies like just with no villain so there's no climactic battle and just the, I don't know what the ending would have been, but Endgame, I've heard people say Endgame would have been better if no Thanos. And I don't know that I disagree. I I don't know what that would look like is the thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Thanos is so central to Infinity War. It's yeah. Really although although 2014 Thanos was not the same Thanos and you felt it. Right. And th- 
I I feel I didn't hate that. I actually like that a bit, but that did definitely impact that did definitely take away from the impact of Thanos because this is a Thanos that has no history with these characters. Right. Go through the journey of Infinity War. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, like, I didn't love the last battle. It was good, I guess, but my eyes just kind of glazed over. It's like, yeah. all right, it's a fight now. This is so cool. So much is going on, but I also can't keep track. <laughs> to me, like, I, I, I watched that, and I remember watching it and being like, what did I think of Infinity War's battle? And I loved it. I don't know what was different. Maybe the moments just landed better in Infinity War. I felt like there were a lot of moments in yeah. this, in Endgame, uh, in the final fight in Endgame that just didn't feel earned. The one that I really hated was where Captain Marvel is fighting Thanos and it's a sick fight scene and then she gets booted away and then all of the women of Marvel come out, which is a cool scene. That is an awesome shot, but it is completely unearned because not a single one of those women has been in that movie until that point except yeah. Black Widow. And it's like this move okay. and it's like this doesn't mean anything. It's it's a great shot, and I wish it meant something, but it just comes across it's cool, like... cool, but it doesn't make any sense. It just comes across as pandery because there's this cool shot of all these characters that have not been in the movie. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, cool, I guess. I, I wish that scene had more impact. On the subject of Captain Marvel, so... On the subject of Captain Marvel. There's, um... Okay, so we saw the movie Captain Marvel. I feel like in the one scene... In 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 uh, Endgame, where she swoops in and she sees Peter Parker sitting there, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Peter Parker." And she goes, "Hey, Peter Parker, you got something for me?" Like that delivery and that line had more personality in it than anything in Captain Marvel. Because yeah, she's, I was like, "That's cute, that's funny," but where's this Captain Marvel anywhere else at any point of either this movie or the other movie? She's just a pure plot device. Yeah, and I had. A- I hope that Captain Marvel 2 fixes that, because Captain Marvel 1, she was boring and unlikable. Yeah. In this movie, she was... She was a MacGuffin. That was she all she was there. She cute and good line yeah. in the whole movie. But then, like, something pointed out to me was um, at the beginning of the movie when Tony Stark is um, rescued by Captain Marvel, I was just watching this and I was like, okay, so in the entirety of space, Captain Marvel just happens to find their ship. So... But- she could have been working with the Avengers on Earth, and then, like, Rocket, who is on Earth, could have had a tracking system on the Milano, and Rocket could have said, well, I know where the ship is, but I don't have the means of getting there. Yeah. So then Marvel, Captain Marvel could I, have gone I there. I think that's what happened. Them. So, like, right. what I what I heard and kind of what I agree with yeah. is at, in the last scene of Captain Marvel, the post credit scene, she comes in and, like, meets Steve Rogers, and then off-screen right. they're like, hey, can you go save Tony Stark? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's just that it was weird that if you just watch the movie, it looks like she just shows up out of nowhere without any plans. Yeah, and, right. like, it leads to Tony Stark having an active role in the movie, which is important. That beginning scene of Tony in space ends up meaning nothing. Kind of. The only the only impact that scene has is it establishes like a basic relationship between Tony Stark and Nebula. But I don't think which they is ever good. share a scene ever again. So it's not really important. They might. Well, it's not important, but it like establishes both of their characters very early, which I think is cool. Like that's one of the best that's a really good well, nebula scene already. I think you could argue that maybe like because what is it like he's stuck in space for like twenty two days or something? Something like it's that. Almost a month, right? Yeah. So that gives him a month to just to just 
bathe in his anger at Captain America, which yeah. leads to that confrontation scene. Yeah. And by the way, dude, they do a really good job of making him look ill. Mm-hmm. Like, he just looks not good. I oh, was yeah. Watching that, I was like, did Robert Downey Jr. lose weight for this I'm watching that. I'm like, he either has cancer or he's been in space for 22 <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they did a really good job of that and how angry he is. And mm-hmm. There's a shocking number of callbacks to Age of Ultron in this movie. Really? Yes, because he talks about how, like, he wants to put an armor oh, yeah. around the world, which is a line from Age of Ultron. Yep. And then, um, I, I know there's tons. There's a couple others, which I can't really think of right now, but there's, there's at least oh, yeah. about three references to Age of Ultron at least. Yeah. And anything to do with Hulk and Scarlet, which is romance. Quote, unquote, romance. I mean, I don't know. That could have worked. Yeah. But the only movie they explored that in was Age of Ultron. And it was not done one. Well. <laughs> I mean, I've made my opinions on that movie no, very well known. Yes. But also, it was not done well in Age of Ultron. It almost did both of the characters a disservice. Right. And so, like, every time, and, and every time since, when, the, when that relationship is brought up, it's, like, brought up so ham-fistedly. Like, I think in Ragnarok, Thor's like, oh, yeah, I've been to Earth. And he's like, oh, how's Nat? And it's like, okay. Yeah, and, but that's that's all it is. That's all it is. They never talk. They never do any more. Yeah, like, it's like I acknowledge its existence, but don't want to. Throughout this entire it. universe, the, throughout this entire series of movies, I've never once bought that relationship. Right, me neither. And like, that's a shame because I don't know that that relationship would have been good, but like, could have been something. Yeah. Anyway, the Revenant. It was what two and a half hours long. Yeah, um, I actually fell asleep during that movie. I I did too, <laughs> but I fell asleep during a good part because there's a part where he's just like walking through the woods for a million years, and I fell asleep for like nine hundred of those years. Oh, okay. so <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely would recommend The Revenant. Uh, good performance from Leonardo DiCaprio. I think it was Oscar worthy, but I think there were other movies that he's been in where his performance was perhaps more Oscar worthy than The Revenant. Anyway, that's my review of The Revenant. You know who they did an amazing job with? Tony Stark. Yes. What a great character. Mm-hmm. I just love the whole... I think I think one of my favorite lines or, like, favorite moments in the movie is he's he's catatonic. He's He can see, he's aware, but he's dying, and he can't yeah. say anything. And Pepper just says, we're going to be okay. Because, like, that's been his whole concern since the Avengers is I have to be the protector of the world. I have to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And she just knows, and she just lets him know in his dying moments, like, you did a good job. We're going to be all right. I just love that. It just really brings it all together. And then the whole, like, you know, uh, funeral where they put the uh, Tony. This is proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah. Whatever. You know, tears all over the place. It's a very good send off for Tony Stark. Yeah, they do a really good job of that. In a way. And, like, I kind, I guess I kind of hope this isn't really the case. Obviously, the universe is going to continue. The send off for Tony Stark is a send off for the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Because, like, it started with Iron Man. And now Iron Man's dead, and that funeral is basically... And that funeral has everyone from the universe there, so that funeral is like... That scene is the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Even though it is technically going to continue, but that's like... I also love the scene where um, Captain America's dancing with Peggy, and I was like, aww... (sighs) That's so sweet. That and was like, a good. That was a good send off for that character yeah, too. I mean, the best send offs are Tony Stark and Captain America, which is good because they're the most deserving of it. Yeah, and also Captain America is like my favorite character, so all yeah. I want is for him to be happy. Tony accomplishes his life goal and then dies, and then Steve Rogers finally gets what he always wanted. 
presumably dies happy at an old age. But that's the thing is, like, Steve Rogers, Falcon, Sam Wilson, specifically, like, asks Steve, like, how was it? How was it? How was it being with her? And he says, I don't think I'm going to tell you. (laughs) To me, there's a lot of way. The thing is, that's really good. I really like that he doesn't say any details because... What I can picture in my head is anything from a very, very nice retirement to an extremely tragic retirement. Because I'm thinking, if we are to believe the rules of time travel, then, like, he can't change the past. So he can't actually change anything in her past. Like, him being in her past wouldn't affect Peggy Carter at all. So he has those moments but he can't change that she marries someone else. He can't change that she works for Hydra the whole time. He can't change any of that. So he ends up being basically a hermit until he dies. That's sad. That's really sad. But that's one possible... That like the, but that's not what they show in the movie. Though. No, they show one moment. And that moment does not exclude that... Does not say that that can't be the case. And I'm not saying that's necessarily that, what it is. You're ruining Endgame for no, me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying no, that's like... They, they're happily married and they live long lives together. See, the thing is, I don't think that's no, true. No, you're literally ruining the movie. <laughs> so, that's what I'm thinking is like... The fact that he doesn't say anything doesn't mean no, means we don't know what the context of that last of that last scene is, and so it's a really nice fitting send off that could go a lot of ways. No, that's cruel. No, no, no. That's that's fact. That happened. He went back in time. So then, actually, that the thought occurred to me recently that so let's. I'm going to assume in my beautiful magical imagination that. Let's say Steve goes back in time, returns all the Infinity Zones, which, by the way, how in how in the world does Steve Rogers, by himself, without a spaceship, return all of the Infinity Stones beats me. But let's just say he succeeds in that mission somehow. Yeah. He somehow makes it to multiple planets by himself without a spaceship. Let's assume he does all that, and then he goes back to have a happy life with Peggy Carter, right? Sure. They get married. They happily live together. Yeah. Does she go on to become the head of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because what if the motivation of her becoming such an awesome government secret agent was the severe loss of Steve Rogers? What if that's like her raison d'etre, if you will? Could be. I... So then is S.H.I.E.L.D. even founded in this timeline? Because, by the way, one of the Russo brothers did confirm that old Steve Rogers had to use PIM particles to return to the timeline that he left. Okay. So he, him going back to have a life with Peggy did create an alternate yeah, timeline. Yeah, I did hear that like there is, in fact, at least one alternate timeline. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like, I can't wait for Doctor Strange 2 because that's <laughs> going to be where the ancient one just shows up out of nowhere and she's going to be like, Doctor Strange, I gave your green friend my green stone and he messed everything up. Now time is... Well, no, this, they didn't mess everything up. Because they explained that by returning all of the stones... But the thing is, the returning all the stones was to avoid making alternate timelines. Right. And if they've made at least one alternate timeline, they've probably made multiple alternate timelines. Mostly the reason I say that is because of Loki. Yeah, I was going to say, because of Loki. So yeah, there are, there are alternate timelines. Yeah. I don't know that that means that every universe is screwed. They did mess up. Yeah, that's true. So, so we'll see what happens. Two Marvel timelines that we could observe and be aware of. There's our main timeline where Endgame happens, and then there's the timeline where Loki... TV show happens. T- Loki's TV show happens. Yeah. 
I guess you could say that there's a third if you include the Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter timeline. If that's not the same timeline, which I don't see how don't it could be. I don't see how it could be, yeah. Yeah, the only way that I see that it could be is that very depressing scenario I gave you, yes. which... Uh, if if he had to use pim particles I don't to know return, how that even then even occurred to you. That's so tragic. Well, the, that poor imagination of yours. <laughs> anyway, let's let's come out with some final thoughts right, on Endgame. Yeah. So we want we want to tie this whole thing up like a nice bow, like like how Endgame does. Um, we didn't really talk about the awesome action scene between uh, Thor, Cap, and, and Iron Man and Thanos, which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole. Oh movie. well, we got we got a couple of minutes. Okay, Go on. Okay, so awesome. You got Fat Thor dual wielding both Mjolnir and Stormbreaker. Then you got Captain America using Mjolnir against Thanos, which was one of the things that got spoiled for me before I saw this movie, unfortunately. <sighs> Um, and then he uses the shield, he throws the shield out and throws Mjolnir against it, which is a callback to Avengers 1. It's just such a cool fight scene, and I'm so glad that we got to witness it. And that about sums it up. Yeah, I don't know that I have any more to say on it, except that it's a good scene. So cool. And actually, in that same, well, not in that same scene, but just to talk just a little more, my second favorite part of that entire fight scene is actually the Captain Marvel with Thanos fight. I really like that. You know, Captain Marvel is... It's brief. Captain Marvel is, you know, stupid strong, which is a little much. But, like, just the fact that Thanos has to undo one of his Infinity Stones, throw it into his other hand just to even get rid of her. Right. I like that scene a lot. Yeah. Anyway, good action scenes. Good action scenes, good character moments. It's a great conclusion. It does Tony Stark and Captain America justice. Again, if you're a fan of the Marvel Universe, I don't see how you couldn't at least have fun watching this. Honestly, movie. if you're a fan of the Marvel Universe, you've probably seen this by yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> what, it made like $1.3 billion in three days or something? Something like that. And just in the... Oh, no, no, that, that is No, it, it was worldwide. Yeah. But yeah, it made back its budget for sure. Easily. <laughs> Several times over. And it's just like, it's so cool that we were alive during this period. This is this is cinematic history right here. It kind of is. It definitely is. Yeah. It's not kind of. There's nothing ever been like this ever in history of films. I heard this and, described in a in a, by someone yesterday as you have lived through your Star Wars. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I like the original Star Wars trilogy a little more. No, but that but but what I'm saying is, is like imagine if you were a kid and you saw Star Wars episode and you saw saw A New Hope. Yeah. And then as you were growing up you saw five and six. Yeah, that this is what that is. Yeah. It's four times as many movies, right. but it's that. Three original Star Wars movies. There's 22. So. Yeah, yeah so more. Like, yeah, it's, it's a like, lot of movies. Was it a six or seven? Seven times as many movies. Times. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a part of our lives since we were 13. Here we are in our early 20s. Yeah. And we've grown up with this story. We've grown up with these characters. And now we have a nice conclusion. I'm fine if they just like stopped making all these movies integrated as of like at this point if they just said okay all the movies are just solo movies from here I'm, on out I'm I'd really in- that. I'm really interested to see these prequels because these prequels will tie into the universe but by their very nature of being prequels for different characters in completely disparate parts of the universe yeah. they're not going to tie together as cleanly as like you know Captain America Civil War was basically a sequel to Avengers Age of Ultron which itself you could say was kind of a sequel to the last Captain America movie but also Iron Man 3 so right. like it, these movie, these next movies coming out by nature being prequels aren't going to tie together as cleanly Right. so I want to see 
see what Marvel does going forward because their their universe isn't going to stop being interconnected. But also they've they've now opened it up to a they've now put themselves in a situation where if they want to they can have an open universe in yeah. a way. So I mean, I'm yeah. I, if they just from here on out they just say we're just gonna do whatever we want. Yeah, I'd be totally fine with that because they did such a good job with these twenty two movies. Well, yeah. for the most part, there's a couple I don't like. It's but, not that all twenty two of these yeah. movies are good yeah. or even or like there's a couple of ones that are just a that are just bad. But at the same time, the way they all tie together is really good if you look at this as, like, a big TV show. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so satisfying to see that we invested so much time into this. And And it paid off. It paid off, and you get rewarded for your investment. You could argue that that was not the outcome of the latest Game of Thrones episode, but, (laughs) well, that's that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, But, uh... Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so satisfying. Like, that's the number one thing I get out of this movie. I may not have liked every single thing, but it's so satisfying. When I got out of this movie the first time, now I did actually write a review for this movie, but when I got out of this movie the first time, I'm like, I don't even want to write a review because, like... Then it's over. It's just, (laughs) no, it's, it's, I don't want to give this movie a score. The answer is just, it's satisfying. Like, if you've seen this, if if you've been following the movie up, the movies up to this point, you will leave the movie, you will leave the theater... Very happy. Right. Whether it's a great movie or a good movie or even if it's a bad movie, even if you look at it from a cinematic perspective and decide it's a bad movie, it's still such a satisfying conclusion to the whole universe that it's just, it's impossible if you've been following these movies to leave this movie feeling nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the interesting thing about Endgame in particular is that it just kind of feels like... I don't really put it in a category of how was this one movie because yeah. just, this movie just you have to see the other movies in order for it to be as enjoyable as possible. So like, sure, if you're a person who doesn't follow the Marvel universe and now you're like, well, this movie is going to be as big as Avatar, I should go see it. Like you won't get as much out of it as someone who invested the time. Yeah, even if you are someone that just wants to watch like one good movie you kind of still need to have Infinity War for this movie to work. Yeah. If you're not a huge fan, I'm sorry. This movie's <laughs> yeah. not really for you. This movie, this is a movie for the fans, and as a movie for the fans, it's probably the best movie for the fans yeah. ever made. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're going to wrap up your favorite characters. We're going to give you some awesome action scenes. And give you just a little bit of a taste of where you, where it might go next. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just satisfying. We've said it like yeah. six times already. Yeah. But like, it's just so cool that such an important cinematic chapter that we've been through is finally over. So now we can go back and look on the last 20 movies and just, yeah, I'm just I'm just fulfilled in my Marvel Universe story. So I did like Infinity War better though. Oh, as a movie, Infinity War is better. Yeah. Endgame just wraps up everything so nicely. Yeah. So I would say as far as... Uh, I don't want to give this movie a score. No, I'm not. Uh, no, and you know what? You're in luck because on this show we don't typically give movies scores. Okay, all right. So would you recommend it? Yes, that was a glowing recommendation yes, from yes. you. I would recommend it as well. This is a very satisfying movie. You definitely need to have at least some history with the Marvel universe yeah. before you go into this movie. But like in 2019, most people do anyway. I definitely recommend it. I mean, we said it at the beginning. This is a movie worth seeing. Yeah. That's Endgame. And... Yeah, um, generation Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. Uh, we'll get you back at some point. We'll definitely be back to talk about Spider-Man. Uh, maybe we'll be back in between. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, maybe when we're not so far from home. 
That's the name of the movie. Hey, ah, there it is. All right, cut it. Stop. There's no Mysterio that we'll be back here. <laughs>